Heavenly Father, thank you so much that as we begin this new year, we can hear right away from you in your word. Please, would you speak to us this morning, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, so happy new year. Happy new year. And with the verses we're about to look at in mind, well, my prayer for us is that 2023 will be a year of wholehearted perseverance in the Lord Jesus Often the New Year is a time when we think ahead and we are setting priorities and some of us might be the type who are very focused and we've lined up our goals and we've got very clear focus for 2023. Others may be, well, we don't do it quite like that, but we've got our hopes, we've got our dreams and we're thinking about the year ahead. And of course today, if you bought a newspaper, well, it would be full of ways to make the most of 2023. Um, there'd be lists of books you could read, self-improvement books, for the year ahead. And perhaps you've read the classic Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Many will have read it. The second habit he gives is to begin with the end in mind. And what he means is, well, work out what your end goal is and then shape everything you do around that. Well, we're looking at Revelation 7 this morning, and this is part of a vision given to the Apostle John by the risen Lord Jesus. And it's a vision for the church to help us, well, to help us begin 2023 with our future firmly in view, with the end in mind. Now, back in November at the 10.30, we looked at Revelation chapters 1 to 3 together on our weekend away. And we read these words of the risen Jesus to his church. And they're words to help the church through tribulations and through trials through the tribulations and trials that come between the first and the second coming of Jesus. Because Jesus wants us to understand, well, until he returns, his church will experience trials, tribulation, persecution. We'll have to contend with the trouble brought by false teachers. And we'll need to be watchful of the temptation to just drift away from Jesus when trials come. And so the risen Jesus calls John, And he says, come and look through the door into heaven. Come and see a heavenly perspective on what's happening and what's to come. And so Revelation 7 is a great place to start the new year because it helps us with, with the really key question of the year. What do we need to have in mind to persevere wholeheartedly for Jesus in 2023? And Revelation 7 is a vision of God's salvation, which is assured for all who trust in Jesus. Now, before we look at chapter 7, we'll briefly see its context, because it comes after chapter 6, unsurprisingly. And chapter 7 is a response to a question raised at the end of chapter 6. So have a look at the end of chapter 6, bottom of page 1031, um, from verse 16. And what we have here are people facing the terrifying reality of God's final judgments. And this is what they say. They're calling to the mountains and the rocks... Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who's seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? Who can stand? That is, who will be safe when the Lord Jesus returns to judge the world? Because there will be a day when all tribulations end and God's right judgment falls on evil and wickedness. But who will be saved from it? Well, Revelation 7 is the answer. And we see into heaven 
this picture and we're given great assurance that God's people will stand through final judgment and enjoy eternal, complete salvation that he has accomplished for us. So what do we need to have in mind so that we'll persevere wholeheartedly for Jesus in 2023? Well, let's look at the vision. Chapter 7, verse 1. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, that no wind might blow on the earth or sea or against any tree. John says, after this, I saw. He's not saying it's the next chronological thing. This is a phrase he uses when he's seeing another part of the vision. So this vision is not happening after final judgment. Instead, it's like John is seeing another picture that answers the question, who can stand? Did you see the BBC Sport produce the video of the World Cup final from unseen camera angles? I don't know if anyone saw that. It's got all kinds of shots arriving in the coach, walking down the tunnel, in the changing room with all the shirts lined up, and then a really significant number of close-ups of Lionel Messi's beard. And, well, chapter 7 is a bit like that. No beard shots, but it's a new camera angle, a new aspect on the vision. And here we see, well, before final judgment sweeps in, it's held back. It's held back until all God's servants are sealed. Listen again. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, that no wind might blow on earth or sea or against any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising sun with the seal of the living God. And he called with a loud voice to the four angels who'd been given power to harm earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. So the image is these destructive, powerful winds of judgment, but they haven't yet blown. The four angels are holding them back. And as they do, this other angel comes up and instructs them. But he's holding something in his hand. Now in Great Britain, the great seal of the realm is used by monarchs to approve state documents. It reads now, Charles III, by the grace of God, of the Britons and his other realms, king, head of the Commonwealth of Nations, defender of the faith. But here the angel holds the seal of the living God. And that is the seal that matters. And it's a seal that echoes the book of Exodus where Aaron the priest is set apart with a seal on his forehead, holy to the Lord. It's a seal which sets God's servants apart as his people. It's a seal that keeps them safe from judgment. Not a physical mark, but a seal God gives and a seal God knows. So think of the Old Testament again and the Passover. We read in Exodus of God's people as slaves in Egypt and Pharaoh setting himself up against God in rebellion. And God sent plagues on Egypt in judgment and the final plague, the death of the firstborn son in each household. But as he executed judgment on sin, God acted in salvation for his people. And those who were saved, well, they were the ones whose households had a mark on their doorpost, the blood of a spotless lamb. And so judgment passed over. And it happened again in Ezekiel chapter 9. God's judgment was going to fall on rebellious Jerusalem. But there were those in the city who sighed and who groaned at the sin and rebellion that they were seeing there. They were loyal to the Lord. And Ezekiel sees the vision of a man with a writing case who marks them for salvation. 
And so we see here in Revelation 7, John is seeing this vision. Before final judgment, God will mark his people for salvation with his seal. So who can stand? Well, God's servants will stand. They're sealed for salvation. And the reality is, it is every single one of them. Judgment is held back until all God's servants are sealed. And that's where verse 4 goes. That's what these numbers are all about. I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000, sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. And the the word sealed is repeated lots there, twice in verse 4, and then you get it in verse 5, 12,000 from the tribe of Judah sealed. Verse 8, 12,000 from the tribe of Benjamin sealed. Now the number 144,000 has been used by sects like the Jehovah's Witnesses to claim that only 144,000 people will go to heaven. Well, we'll see a brief look at the text makes it clear that is totally wrong. This number is symbolic. It speaks of assurance that every single one of God's people will be sealed for salvation. The voice John here says we're talking here about every tribe of the sons of Israel. Old Testament tribes, there were 12 of them. And if you can remember back to school maths and the 12 times table, well, you remember 12 times 12 is 144. So what's this other 12? Well, maybe it's the 12 New Testament apostles, which Jesus appointed as the authoritative witnesses for the church. 12 times 12, 144, a number symbolizing fullness and completeness, the full totality of the people of God. And then it's multiplied by a thousand, by a thousand and that is a number that simply means big number. So it's 144,000, 12,000 from every tribe. What John hears here is a number that, if you like, says to him, great assurance, the vast and complete fullness of the people of God will be sealed for salvation. Each one known, each one sealed, no one will be lost. And the list in 5 to 8, this list of tribes, well, it it underlines it. You might recall that the first tribe of Israel was not Judah, but it's actually Reuben. But you find Judah's at the top of the list. Well, why is that? Well, in chapter 4, we've just seen God seated on the throne. And in chapter 5, the Lord Jesus exalted at his right hand. And as Jesus announced, he is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah who has conquered. He's conquered sin and death and the devil. And so he's heading up the list, the tribe of Judah. It's not just a tribes list, it's a salvation list. God's people redeemed by the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Who can stand on the day of judgment? Well, this vision reassures us. All God's servants will stand. The church will stand. Judgment is being held back until every single one is sealed with the seal of the living God. In fact, whatever tribulation God's people face, the church is indestructible. It's sealed for salvation. And more than that, it's standing in salvation. And that's where we go in verse 9. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands. John says, after this I looked. Again, it's not a chronological thing. It's another camera angle on the same event. In, John five, in chapter 5, John just heard a number, 144,000 sealed. He didn't see anything. But here in verse 9, he looks and he sees what he heard about. 
I think, again, that just blows out of the water any literal reading of that number. Because this is what it looks like. A great multitude that no one could number from every tribe, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne. It's a picture of the complete gathered people of God. It's a picture of what salvation accomplished looks like. And did you notice how it's full of language that picks up God's promises to Abraham right back at the start of the Bible in Genesis? God promised to Abraham, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of a multitude of nations. And that is God's unconditional promise to gather a people for himself to be his everlasting possession and for him to be their God. And that is actually the promise, if you like, that is shaping the whole Bible story from Genesis to Revelation. God's perfect commitment to keeping it and here well this is a picture of total accomplishment if you're a Christian this morning you are part of this people from all over the world Europe Asia Africa the Americas Australasia all gathered every tribe people and language and it is vast did you see the picture in Buenos Aires of people lining the streets to welcome the World Cup home Well, we might have described that as a multitude of people. Well, this scene is so much bigger. In fact, God illustrated it to Abraham. He said, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and the sand on the seashore. I remember once being down in West Sussex in in October, looking on a clear night sky and just seeing the Milky Way. Utterly magnificent and vast. And if you can remember to the summer and think of the beach, Sand everywhere, so many grains, too many to count. In fact, just think of your shoes when you got home from the beach. Sand everywhere, too many grains, too many to count. Well, what are these? This is the gathering here. And what are they doing? Verse 9, they are standing. Standing. Standing before the throne. Standing in salvation. And so when it's tough in 2023 to follow Jesus, this is the vision for us to look at. This is a vision to remind us of our future, what we're part of, God's plan for all history, the indestructible church, sealed for salvation, one day to stand in salvation. We read, it, we read in Revelation chapter 2 of the church in Smyrna, who were told that for 10 days they will have tribulation, and they're told to be faithful unto death, and they will receive the crown of life. Ten again means a big number, a time of suffering and persecution, even to death. Well, think how this vision keeps them going and holding fast. They will receive the crown of life. It is worth it. The church will stand in salvation. And Joel is one of our mission partners at St. Helens, particularly here at the 10 o'clock. Well, Joel's latest mission letter speaks of some women in the Krala tribe in Cambodia who are being persecuted by their families for following the Lord Jesus, so much so that they are deprived of food. They are lacking food to eat. Think how this vision helps them persevere. Jesus shows them the end. They're sealed for salvation. That persecution will cease and judgment will fall and they will stand in salvation. For us here this morning and in the year ahead, whether persecution, whether we face health trials or family difficulties, or as we battle perhaps with sin, or as we encounter the cost of contending in love and for the truth of the gospel, especially in the Church of England, 
Well, what will help us keep persevering wholeheartedly for Jesus? Well, this vision, we know it's worth it to hold fast to him, to live for him wholeheartedly. We will stand in salvation. Perhaps over the next day or two, it would be a good moment to just reread this chapter. Ask the Lord to help you keep it in mind through the year. Perhaps prayerfully consider how it will shape 2023 at home or work as we consider priorities for ourselves, our children, our friends, our colleagues. Beginning the year with the end in mind. So we persevere with the end in mind. And perhaps this morning you're here and you're not a Christian. You're here exploring the Christian message. Maybe you decided to come back to church in 2023 after some time away. Well, this chapter focuses our attention on the single most important question for the year ahead. And that is, will you stand? Will you be in this gathering? It's a chapter given to us by the risen Jesus who rules the world today. And we would love to help you understand what he's saying so that you might stand in this salvation too. So do um, come and chat to me, chat to Jonathan. They're a Christianity Explored course to help you do that. A friend who brought you. Well, they would love to read through one of the accounts of Jesus' life with you. God will accomplish salvation for his people. And as we gaze on this, well, even in the midst of trials, this brings us to praise. Did you see what God's people were doing around the throne at the end of chapter 9? They're there with palm branches in their hands, and they're crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Palm branches. Well, we think of the triumphal entry, don't we? The week before Jesus died on the cross, people took palm branches as he entered Jerusalem and they shouted, Hosanna, literally, bring salvation. And so everything in this scene is about praise for salvation, accomplished by the Father through the Son. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And then the camera zooms in, if you like, closer around the throne. And the angels and the elders and these living creatures who are standing there, they fall down in worship. Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. I've been really struck by this. It's very simple, but it struck me just as we keep the end in mind and gaze on this salvation and consider it often. Well, we will more and more be able to say those words of verse 12 as we persevere, even in the midst of trials, as we gaze on it and say, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. A great multitude will stand in salvation. But we might be asking, well, who exactly will be there? Perhaps over Christmas, things haven't gone so well for us Christianly. Perhaps despite this talk of living wholeheartedly for Jesus, we actually just feel really lethargic. Perhaps we're asking, how can we gaze on this vision with confidence? Or maybe we don't yet trust Jesus and we're grasping that the issue is who will stand. And so we're asking the question, what do I need to do to be there? Well, verse 13, one of the elders addressed me saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. I think John asked, the elder asked John the question just to really focus his attention on the answer. 
Who are these people standing before the throne? Well, they are those who emerge from the tribulation. They're emerging safe. On the 18th of January, the charity Open Doors will publish their 2023 World Watch List. And they'll do that before MPs at Westminster. And it highlights the 50 countries where Christians face the most extreme persecution. 50 countries. Well, this is a picture of these brothers and sisters emerging from the tribulation into salvation. It's a picture of the women in the Krala village emerging. It's a picture of every Christian of us emerging, whatever happens in 2023 and beyond. God's people emerge from tribulation and stand in salvation. And they do so because they've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now that is a slightly strange image, isn't it? Washing robes in blood to make them white. Some of us might remember the adverts on 1990s British TV of the Daz Doorstep Challenge. Shane Ritchie knocking on doors and challenging people to wash their whites with Daz. And these poor people sort of say yes and hold up chocolate stains and mud and then they wash it and then it's white. The whitest whites you've ever seen. But here, of course, it's not detergent, getting mud and chocolate out of T-shirts. Here is the blood of the Lord Jesus, shed when he died on the cross, bringing cleansing from sin. The true, spotless Passover lamb, dying as a substitute in the place of all who depend on him, carrying God's judgment upon sin and bringing forgiveness. Jesus' blood satisfies God's wrath at our rebellion, so we can stand safely on the day of wrath, the penalty for sin paid. Jesus' blood washes away guilt before God and leaves us right before him. Jesus' blood cleanses us from shame so that we can stand before his throne. Those who wash their robes in Jesus' blood are sealed with the seal of the living God. And to wash our robes in his blood is to depend on his death on the cross for forgiveness and then to hold fast to him through tribulations. That's what Jesus says to the persecuted church in Philadelphia in chapter 3. He says, Because you've kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world. Salvation. And to the church in Laodicea who've been drifting from him, he says, Those whom I love I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. See, it may be that we've just drifted from Jesus and need to turn back to him in repentance and confess our sin. Well, Jesus calls that being zealous, being wholehearted, and he's waiting with open arms to receive anyone who comes. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because all who hold fast to Jesus in dependence on his death on the cross well, will emerge from the tribulation to stand in salvation. And it is a great salvation. Just listen to verses 15 to 17. Therefore, they're before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. These verses describe the experience of salvation 
in rich language, a picture of perfect, restored relationship with God, a vision of service and shelter and satisfaction and shepherding. Tribulation is over and God's people stand before him and serve him as they were made to. And he will be with us just as he promised to Abraham and shelter us with his presence, literally tabernacle over his people in the Holy of Holies, the most alive we can ever be in the presence of God. And it's a place of complete satisfaction. Did you see that in verse 16? They shall hunger no more, thirst no more, the sun shall not strike them, nor scorching heat. People from all nations will come out of tribulation into abundance, like those returning from battle with the scars of war, no longer to thirst or hurt. The women of the Kerala tribe who lack now will never again experience scarcity, trial or trouble. But instead they'll rest under the eternal rule of the Lamb, who is the shepherd. The Lamb in their midst of the throne will be their shepherd. He will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Do you hear the echoes of Psalm 23 there? Psalm 23, a psalm for now. The Lord is our shepherd today who leads us through tribulations to salvation. Hold fast to him. And yet here we see Psalm 23 forever as we enjoy the care of the good shepherd face to face. Salvation in its fullest. The lamb by the throne giving life abundantly from springs of living water. And God the Father seated on the throne, wiping away the tears from every eye. Service and shelter, satisfaction and shepherding, salvation enjoyed forever. So what will keep us persevering wholeheartedly for Jesus in 2023? Well, we'll keep the end in mind. Salvation is certain because judgment is held back until all God's servants are sealed and a great multitude will stand who've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Shall we pray together? Heavenly Father, we thank you that through the death of the Lord Jesus on the cross, we know salvation is certain for all who depend on him. And we thank you for giving us this glimpse, this vision of the final day, when we'll be gathered around your throne as your promised salvation is accomplished. Thank you for showing it to us now, and please help us to keep it in our minds so that we might persevere wholeheartedly for Jesus this year. And we ask it in his name. Amen.